Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our, our hearts be always acceptable to you, my strength, and my Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I think after Sid's reading the gospel that I'll just go sit down. Uh, <laughs> that was very powerful. I'd like to take as my text today, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. I was in Silver Spring, Maryland this week, attending a meeting. I was sitting in the hotel lobby. I was actually working on this sermon when I noticed a man in military fatigues walking to the elevator on crutches. One of his legs was in a splint. I went back to work. I looked up again to see another young man walking uncertainly with a cane, a huge scar across the side of his shaven head. He had a desert camo pack on his back. Another few minutes, a man missing a leg, pushing his wheelchair along with the other foot. That foot was clad in a GI boot. Well, God had gotten my attention. As I thought about it, Silver Spring is a straight shot down the bus line from Walter Reed Army Hospital. And you may remember that a couple of years ago, it came out that wounded Iraq vet war veterans who had graduated to outpatient rehabilitation were being housed on the grounds of Walter Reed in vermin and mold-infested barracks. The Secretary of the Army actually lost his job over that. Well, some of those vets are now being housed in the Silver Spring Hilton. The Silver Spring Hilton isn't a great hotel, but it's definitely better than the barracks. How do I make sense of a world where old men send young men and women to war, to fight and kill one another over a piece of land, over a disagreement, over an idea, where when those young people are maimed, the brass would allow them to be housed in quarters they wouldn't think fit for their dogs. How do I confront such human waywardness, such human suffering? Where do I start? Well, one of the privileges of being a preacher is that I'm forced to examine and to wrestle with my own theology. One of the drawbacks for you and for me is that I have to do it in public. So, here goes. We live in a pluralistic world. We're faced with a clamor of voices, all sorts of answers, all sorts of views, 
all sorts of paths. What do we do? When my kids were younger and had questions, I used to tell them that we're only responsible for our own tradition. This isn't to deny the wisdom to be gained from other traditions. Far from it. Put together all of human wisdom over all the ages since we first stood up on our hind legs can only barely begin to understand God. We need to be responsible for our own traditions, though, because if we aren't responsible for our own tradition, who will be? We all know the story of the blind man and the elephant. The elephant is truth, or the whole picture, or God. Each blind person feels a portion of the elephant and reports to the others, an elephant is like the trunk of a tree. Or an elephant is long and supple, like a snake. The piece of the story that's usually missing in the traditional telling, which, em which emphasizes our inadequacy, is that if the blind men were to put their heads together, they could construct a picture of the elephant. Certainly not complete, but better than like a tree or like a snake. If we're not responsible for our own tradition, the elephant will be missing its trunk or its ears or its legs. Humanity will be infinitely impoverished in its understanding of God. If we are not responsible for our own tradition, who will be? In addition, if we're responsible for our own tradition, if we learn our tradition, we'll always have a starting place, always have some anchor in what can sometimes be a terrible world. Well, understanding our tradition is what St. Peter's is all about this Lent. As you may know, during Lent, the St. Peter's community is centering its attention on the Nicene Creed. Julie has asked each of the preachers during Lent to concentrate on a particular section of the Nicene Creed. So where does my section start? For our sake, he was crucified. What better place to start to, un to examine human sin or human suffering? The Creed tells us that unlike the God experienced by others, our God came to us in the form of Jesus of Nazareth. That Jesus was of the very essence of God. And if you want to know what that's about, you should have been here last week when Sister Dr. Nancy Stevens talked about it. I'm not very good at it. But true God from true God. 
completely divine, but importantly, completely human. The creed tells us that our God, in the person of Jesus, truly suffered. Suffered one of the most hideous and cruel forms of execution ever divined, de devised by the twisted mind of humanity. That our God, in the person of Jesus, truly died and was truly buried, stayed in the grave for three days. In ancient times, if you were dead for three days, you were really dead. Remember, Lazarus was stinking by then. Our God experienced human suffering, human death, as a human being. But that's not the end of the story. The creed tells us that our God overcame the power of death, overcame the fate of all humankind, overcame the fate of every single one of us. Our God, in the person of Jesus, is truly divine. He rose, he ascended, he is seated with God, is God. He will come again into the world and is God forever and ever. Our tradition tells us that however we think we understand God in our everyday lives, however distant we may sometimes feel, our God, for one moment, was absolutely, completely one of us. He suffered every human frailty. God suffered the worst treatment one human can offer to another. God understands us in our own suffering. God is accessible to us in a way that a friend who has undergone a similar tragedy is accessible to us in a way that no one else is. Our God, however great, however near, however far, will always look upon us with a human face, will always turn a human face towards us. Our God came to us, to paraphrase, and to paraphrase St. Paul, was reconciling the world, the entire world, all of our humanity, all our warts and pimples, to God's self in Christ. This is a God who, like the Father in Jesus' parable, can hug us joyfully when we return shamefaced after our most aimless wanderings, our worst mistakes, our worst failures, our worst sins. This is a God who, in the words of the writer of the first lesson today, truly understands that each person is precious. 
I'm not entirely sure what part of the elephant I've been asked to be responsible for, but I think it's the heart. I'm not any closer to understanding why humans hurt one another or why humans suffer. But I know that our God is a God who can be with those boys and girls at the time of the bomb blast, as the limb is lost, as they are dying, and say to them, I have been here too. Our tradition shows us a God in whom, when the time comes in a moment, I can stand and say, I believe. Amen.